This is Acts 15, six through nine. The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Amen. Redemption Tucson, how you guys doing? Good. You guys are staying cool? Boy, you know, we're in a church now. I know it's a school, but this is considered still the house of the Lord. Uh, staying cool is having a portable AC unit with you at all times. I told my mom, uh, she's visiting with us from, uh, from Tallahassee, Florida, and uh, I told her um, the temperatures are going to read this week three miles from hell. So um, just... <laughs> Just bear, bear with us. Um, we're going to get you plenty of AC and water. Uh, but like Stephen said, I'm one of the pastors at uh, Redemption Gilbert, and it is an honor to be with you guys. Uh, I don't know um, how far uh, Dave has gone with you guys into uh, the book of Acts. Uh, I, I know that all the congregations are uh, in chapter 15 uh, this morning. And so what I want to do is kind of give an overview, and not just of Acts, but the entirety of the Bible. Um, and you guys probably have heard this a number of times, especially that Dave, is, uh, uh, Dave and I are a part of this thing called MTC, a Missional Training Center uh, that meets um, on weeknights uh, in, in Tempe. And so uh, it's been really cool to be a part of that. And so uh, I just want to share real briefly uh, kind of the uh, background of where we're at in this story. Um, and again, for m- most of you that are, are uh, regular attenders, here, you've heard this, um, the, the, the six acts um, that, that uh, the Bible is split up into. Uh, the first act is creation, um, and, and, and then the second act is rebellion, or the fall, if you will. The third act is uh, Israel and, and God's purpose of creating, uh, establishing for himself a remnant of people who will uh, live by his, uh, his, his doctrines, his teachings, his uh, commandments, and that they will be the face of uh, the, the, the Christian faith. Uh, and Act 4 is Christ coming in historical redemptive form. Um, to, uh, is Christ basically coming into the middle of the story to die the, the traitor's death that he didn't deserve. And then we get we move into Act Five, uh, and that's our portion, the church, uh, and our role um, that you see from uh, Acts all the way through Revelation. And then Act Six is the uh, is is the kingdom to come. And to, to this morning, I want to focus on Act Five, which is the church's role, and that's where we pick up in Acts uh, chapter fifteen, and we're going to start in uh, verse one. If you guys. Uh, Need a Bible or anything? I don't think that would be necessary because it's up on the screen. So um, <laughs> we're, we're going to break this whole uh, section up, 15, 1 through 35. A lot of work to be done. Uh, we're going to break it up into four sections. And so um, just bear with me, and we're going to just go ahead and get started with this. This is uh, uh, Acts 15, verse 1. Uh, but some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers. 
Unless you were circumcised according to the customs of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. In verse 3, so being sent on their way by, by the church, they passed through both Phenosia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversation of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. Uh, verse 4, uh, when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. Uh, but some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them in order for them to keep the law of Moses. And we're going to break this up as the fight scene or hashtag rivals. Uh, living in uh, Tucson, I, I think you guys do have a rival that's in uh, Tempe, Arizona. Am I correct? Yeah. Uh, well, I went to a school uh, four hours north of, of here uh, in NAU, and so we're considered the little brothers. Oh, we have some lumberjacks in the house? If you was in Dwell, uh, our student ministry, I would ask you to meet me afterwards and I'd give you a free drink, but I don't think we have any free drinks other than coffee and water, so help yourself to that. On me, on me. Um, so, uh, yeah, we, rivals, man. And, and here's what's happening. I want to paint a picture real quick. There's a tension that's happening here. The tension between... Um, the, the Jews that have became Christians and then these Pharisees that have become Christian. And I thought, what a great way to kind of paint a picture for the day and age that we live in and church tensions. I looked up uh, church splits or ridiculous church splits. And I got 10 that I'm, I'm just going to read five uh, that are here of t- 10 arguments that led to church splits and fights. Uh, one was over the, uh, <laughs> whether the church should serve deviled eggs at the church meal. Um, uh, another one was the appropriate length for the worship pastor, his beard, uh, uh, to make sure his beard was a certain length. Another uh, argument that broke up the church was whether the church should move the clock from the worship center or not. That, that was the actual fight that broke up the church. Uh, the last one which I thought is just amazing. Um, some church members left because another member hid the vacuum cleaner from them. <laughs> and, it, and it wound up in a church split. And, and yeah, this is the life in the story that we live in. But this, what, what uh, Paul and Barnabas and the rest of the guys who are um, coming against this, this tension with the Pharisee Jews, uh, Pharisee, Pharisee Christians, they are at odds, and this ain't no small deal. They're talking about salvation. This, this is not some <laughs> whether we should, should serve green beans at the church picnic. No, this is something very intense, and, and salvation in their eyes rolled on this, on this argument. And so we're going to pick up in uh, section two, the case for grace, hashtag Christ alone. We're going to go start with uh, verse 6 and says this, the apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider the, this matter. And there had been much debate. Uh, and Peter stood up and said to them, brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. 
verse 8. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of our Lord Jesus, just as they will. And all the assembly fell silent, and they listened to Barnabas and Paul, and they related that signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they had finished, James replied, brothers, listen to me. Simon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them the people for his name. And, his, uh, and with his, this, the words of the prophet agreed, just as it is written. After this, I will return and I will rebuild the tent of David that is fallen. I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it. That the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who makes these things known from of old. So let's, let's kind of give a recap here. So P Peter, Paul, Barnabas, and James are given this kind of uh, rebuttal to why it is Christ alone and grace alone. Um, but, but let me share a few things about these presenters. It's Peter starting out first, who uh, in chapter 10, Peter was visiting Cornelius, and Cornelius was a, was a Gentile, a non-Jew. And, and, and as Peter was preaching the gospel to Cornelius in his household, the Holy Spirit fell, and all those who were in his household were saved. And it wasn't just Peter that was there. It was Peter and a, a couple of his friends that came along to, on the journey to watch, this, uh, to watch Peter in action. Uh, let's look at Paul and Barnabas. Paul, I mean, you guys know, this dude was Saul. And, and as you know, he had one of the most incredible uh, uh, conversions known to mankind. On his way to Damascus, the spirit of the Lord, uh, Jesus himself uh, shares, Saul, Saul, why, why are you persecuting me? And, and Saul immediately recognizes who the voice belongs to. Barnabas, has the, uh, his name actually means son of encouragement. And he's the person that we see in Acts 9 that allows uh, Saul, who's now Paul, to become a part of the, the, the Christian brotherhood in Jerusalem. Paul, uh, Barnabas is the, everybody in here needs a Barnabas in their life. Someone to encourage you, to give you strength. Um, we like to call it in, in around my neighborhood, uh, the hype man. Uh, you know, the, hey, yeah, you can do it, you can do it, go ahead, yeah, yeah, yeah. You need somebody in, in your life that's going to encourage you in, in those times of, of encouragement. And then the last but not least, James, who's, who's sharing here, um, he's considered to be the, the, the most pious or the, the most spiritual of these, uh, these councilmen. Uh, it has it been known that James, when he, was, when he died, he had callous the size of um, softballs, I believe, and, and they called him camel knee. And the reason being because he prayed so much. He was on his knees day in and day out in prayer, and they had to bury him basically with his knees up. And James had this to say. He says that, 
brothers, and he he quotes uh, Amos 9. Uh, This is 16 and 17. After I return and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen, I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who makes all things. So there's six takeaways I want to I want to point out here, again, for the sold-out purpose of Christ alone and grace alone. Some of, some of these, these Pharisees, I forgot to add, they, here's what they felt like. You, you needed to convert to Judaism, and then you needed to have, uh, make your plea to Christ. And, and the argument that Paul, Barnabas, Peter and James is making is that, no, 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 my friend, it's, it's grace. It's grace alone and Christ alone. Amen? And so the six takeaways I want us to, and, and, then, and then if you guys would indulge me, um, I, sometimes I like to put on my spiritual uh, uh, imagination and put myself in the story. And so one of the six takeaways is the word of the Lord that came through. Um, no one could add or take away from the word of the Lord. It is what it is. It's the, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Uh, the second uh, takeaway I would have us to, to receive out of this is they receive the Holy Spirit. The third takeaway, uh, their hearts were cleansed by faith. Uh, they were forgiving. Uh, the law, they saw time and time again, it, it didn't work. And the last one was the signs and wonders. So if I place myself in this story... Uh, I, think about, I think back to my salvation and my conversion, and my mom was actually there. Uh, I was at a, a, a revival at, back home at our, our family church, and um, I, I, I couldn't tell you what the preacher preached. I couldn't tell you what the message was on. I couldn't tell you his five points. All the thing I know is the Lord came and touched my heart, and, and I went home. I remember this very vividly. I went home that same night, and I looked in the mirror, and I said, man, Ain't nothing really change, but I sure do feel different. That, that's all I could say from that moment because as I was a little wee little lad, uh, and the country folk would say I was uh, a knee-high to frogs behind. Um, yeah, that, you'll get it later at lunch. Um, so the, the, I couldn't take anything away from that, but, but then when I was 22, sophomore year at NAU, one of my good friends, he was the best man in my wedding, um, he asked me, hey, man, you think you had anything to do with your salvation? I said, oh, absolutely, man. I went to church. Um, I didn't raise my hand. I didn't um, pray a prayer. I didn't. That's, I thought, like, well, dang, maybe I didn't. I had nothing to do with my salvation. It was Christ and Christ alone. And then I started thinking back to how I was forgiven. Oh, my gosh. I, I can't tell everything. I can't disclose everything because my mom's here. So I'm just going to keep it very brief of, man, there, there have been things that are just shameless to even mention that the Lord has uh, graciously covered me. And, and the, the, it says this about love. It covers a multitude of sins. And, and the love that, that, that Christ has shared upon me and bestowed upon me was evident. It was evident that my works was not good enough. And lastly, uh, well, second to last, of the law didn't work because I tried. 
I tried countless times over and over to do the right thing, to say the right thing, to be in the right place, to do all of the rituals and the, and the routines to get me to, to have this persona that he's a good dude. But in reality, man, he, there were still some things that were, were, were on the inside that were not necessarily correct in the, in the sight of the Lord. And so viewing all of these things and then the signs and wonders, senior year, um, I played five games. Uh, I actually played football at NAU, and my, the fifth game of the season, I blew up my knee. Uh, and my senior year was done, college career was done. And the head athletic trainer told uh, me, uh, like a couple of days after they had the MRIs, and said, look, if you want a, just a normal life, if you want to just be able to play with your kids, you're going to need to have surgery. And you're going to have to have a reconstruction surgery. So that's when they, you know, cut your knee open and give you another knee, basically. And I said, mm, I don't think so. Um, I don't want to go that route. Because I know I had torn my ACL, my other ACL in high school. And I knew, I knew the struggles in that. And, and so I just went to some friends of mine that I knew were believers. And we just prayed. And we prayed. And we prayed. And then we left it to God. And I, can, I, can I share with you that? That happened in October of 2004. December, the following year, I went to trial for the Arizona Rattlers and ran one of the fastest times at the uh, combine. The grace of God and God alone. It was none I did, was none that I, you know, attributed to. It was just by his power and might. And so th- those would be the things that I would also share to the council, although it's back 2,000-some years ago, but I think they would get the, the ideal and the premises of his Christ and Christ alone. While every other religion says otherwise, the greatest news that we could ever hear is that you can't earn it, and it can't be taken away from you either. And that's good news. Greatest quote, if, you got, if you're tweeting or you're doing anything, you're, <laughs> you're taking notes, write, write this down. Uh, if you add anything to Christ alone, you lose Christ alone. You cannot add anything to this precious and wonderful and sacred news of Christ Jesus. We're going to move on to section 3, 19 through 29, big sections, bear with me. So... Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from what has been struggled or strangled uh, from blood. For from ancient generations, Moses has had in every city those who proclaim him, and for he has read every Sabbath in the synagogues. Verse 22, then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose, from, to choose men from among them and to send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas called Barabbas, Barabbas and Silas, leading men among the brothers with the following letters. The brothers, both the apostles and the elders, to the brothers who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, in Syria, and Sicilia, greetings. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from among us and troubled you with words unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instructions, 
it has seemed good to us, having come to one accord to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barabbas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves would tell you the same things by word of mouth. And verse 28 for it, is, for it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. So this last one is uh, section or third section is uh, the resolution or hashtag unity. And we see James again that is um, considered to be in this kind of role, the lead pastor, the, the head guy who's taking the charge. And here's what he says as he's finishing up his, his uh, presentation. He says that, that I have made up my mind. And, and in the Greek, uh, the connotation there is actually that, that he has determined and made the, the final word. And here's the, the cool thing, because when James said it, everybody said amen. When, when, whatever James said, the, the whole council agreed. And so um, when he did that, now here's the, here's the beauty of that. It's because if there's anybody that is close to the story of Jesus that could say, man, this, 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 this grace alone, I don't know. Uh, you may need to add something. If, if anybody could say that, it would be James, Jesus' brother. It would be him to be able to make that distinction that, yeah, you do need to add uh, your works to it. And you do need to add um, the rituals and the sacrifices. You do need to add that. But James is making a, a, a clear and, and concise uh, rebuke to that. Now, no, brothers, it's, it's, it's grace and grace alone. And matter of fact, man, we want you guys to walk in that. And in 20, let's go to 28 and 29, those commandments. It may seem like it's double talk there. 28 and 29, that these three commandments were based upon the eating habits of the Gentiles. Out of love, out of love, if it causes your brother to stumble, man, you, you need to put that down. And I'm going to go ahead and skip, skip over a couple of things because I, I need to make this point. Um, what are you willing to sacrifice for the cause of unity? What are you willing to put aside? What differences are you willing to, to, to lay aside so that your brothers may feel the love of Christ? I'm telling you, man, in this day and age that we're living in and, and with all that we've, been, that we've been faced with as a church, as, a, as a, the body of Christ, there's some serious questions that we have to ask ourselves that is this worth it? Now, there's certain things that are absolutely worth fighting for. The gospel in itself, although it's big, bad, and bold on its own, don't need our help. The gospel itself is something that we can never stray away from. We can never shrink back on. We can never, we can never dumb it down or, or water it down. But there are some issues that we can't take, can take the back seat on. And, and as much of you guys know in here, man, there's... If there's ever been a time that our country's been more divided and, de and divisive is, is such as time as this. And so I want to make a plea to you, just in this small section, it's, it's for free, just for you. 
that there has to be something that you're willing to sacrifice for your brother and your sister. For love to have the, the final outcome. There has to be. And so in 28 and 29, when he's making these distinctions, um, that's, what, that's, that's all James is really pointing out. The law of love trumps the law of Moses. Loving your, your, your brothers and sisters, loving your neighbor, is not doing anything to antagonize them or to make them feel uh, out, of, out of character or, or uh, feeling, um, feeling belittled. We, we, we don't, as believers, we don't, we don't do that. That's not our lane. And then when he's talking about reframing or um, keeping yourselves from sexual immorality, we shouldn't think that this is just the common sex out of marriage kind of terminology he's using here. Both Jews and Gentiles knew that sex outside of marriage was wrong. What he's talking about, what James is pinpointing here, is actually the, the marriage portion. See, see, Gentiles were of the pagan, paganistic culture, and, and what they would do is they would marry, you know, their, their, their cousin, their third and fourth cousin, and their, and their brother or sister, you know, stepsister or stepbrother, that kind of stuff. And, and the Jews, they, you know, this, this was an abomination from Leviticus 18, 1 through 30. That was, that was one of their deals that, man, you, you can do that. And so James is saying, listen. For the sake of unity and for the sake of your, your, your Jewish brothers, please, please, pretty please. If you're going to marry somebody, don't, don't marry your cousin from, uh, you know, twice removed. You ain't in Kentucky. Don't do that. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have said that. Okay. Um, Unity and mission is non-negotiable. And we're going to wrap this thing up in section 4, 30 through 35. It says this, so when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch. And having gathered the congregations together, they delivered the letter. And they had read it. They rejoiced because it was encouraging. And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers who, and with words, with many words. And after they had spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the brothers to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with so many others. So this last take is uh, the goal of transformation. Hashtag Blessed. Transformation, true transformation, lasting transformation only happens through the gospel, only happens through the grace of God. We live by grace through faith in Christ alone, doing authentic theology in the correct context. Transformation is one of its fruits that we get to witness through the process, a changed Heart, a heart that no longer beats for itself and no longer thinks of itself higher than it ought. A heart that beats for others, a heart that lives for others, a heart that will die for others, a heart that will serve others and will do it without getting any recognition. That only happens 
true transformation through the gospel of Christ Jesus. So I don't consider myself to be a, a prophet, but I would consider myself to be somewhat of an encourager in, in Tucson, uh, Redemption Tucson. I, w- I want to leave you guys with a little bit of encouragement. It's going to sound like it's not encouragement at first, but just bear with me. Uh, the Tucson Sierra Vista area is 49% unchurched. That's the f- you, you, this area is the 15th city among the, all the cities in the United States that is unchurched. 15th. But at our last pastor's meeting, Redemption Tucson is the fastest growing church out of all the 10 congregations. You guys are doing something and, it's, and, it, and, it's, and, it, and you guys are being effective. Now, I don't have the statistics when it comes to salvations and baptisms, but this was the one statistic that our financial guru, uh, Neil Pitcher, he, he gave me to, to give to you guys. Um, so take with it whatever you will. But Redemption Tucson is the most above budgeted or has given the most above what was expected out of all the congregations. So here's what, here's, here's what that tells me, that the gospel is being preached, people are coming, and they're responding. And one of the responses through giving. You guys are making the difference. What I'm looking at right now is a room full of difference makers that carries this, this thing called the gospel, not just on a Sunday morning or in your small groups or in your RCs. But like Stephen was saying, I mean, that, th- we was in Flagstaff last week and they shared the same thing. All of life is all for Jesus. That's our motto. That's what we live, live by. And you guys are making the difference. So if I can encourage you in any area, continue. Continue to allow this, this thing called the gospel to be effective in your life so that it will be a light unto others. Live out the gospel. Live it out. Let your light so shine. And I can guarantee you this, that when it's all said and done, people are not going to be caring about, you know, what kind of talents you had. They're not going to care about, you know, how much money you had. What they're really going to care about is how much you cared, how much you loved, how much you was willing to put yourself aside for others. That's all that's going to matter at the end of the day. Would you guys pray with me? Father in heaven, thank you so much for this amazing truth of your word. Thank you for these moments that we gather here to hear of the grace and the, uh, the absolute uh, truth that is only in you, Christ Jesus that we have salvation, that we have eternal life, and that we're able to do the things that we're able to do. And I pray for the redemption congregation of Tucson as a whole and that you would give them strength, give them encouragement, give them endurance to continue to run the race that you've given them. Allow them to be the hands and feet of Jesus in every aspect of their life. Some of them, the people that they encounter, that's the only Bible they're going to see. 
It's the, the, the folks from Redemption Tucson. And I pray that, God, that they would be excellent caregivers of the gospel and they would be effective witnesses for the kingdom. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen.